We hear that word and we think of positivity or wishful thinking. But hope is something different. It's greater, it's better, and it's more. Hope is choosing to wait for God to bring His goodness into our lives. It's remembering His faithfulness in our past and trusting His plans for our future. Hope rises when we encounter the light that shatters the darkness and when the long-awaited Messiah makes His home with us. It's an invitation for every person, and it's here now because Jesus is here now. This is hope. Welcome to Christmas. He's a good one. Well, good morning, church. We are so, so glad to see all of you here with us today. Why don't you stand with us and we're going to sing. I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart. You found me. You freed me, held back the waters for my release, oh Yahweh. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Church, I have a new song for us to sing today. So far this morning, we've sung about how the same God that we are worshiping here today is the God that led the Israelites out of Egypt, that he steps into our own lives and leads us through those times as well. We've sung about how we have a God that is holy forever, a God that's the same yesterday as he is today, as he is tomorrow. And sometimes it's really easy to forget that fact, that when all of the stuff of life comes, we forget what God has done in our past, and we just think he cannot be here now in my present or in my future. And in the Old Testament, they had a way of combating that. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 7. It says, Then Samuel said, Gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. When the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down. Then Samuel took a stone, and he set it between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So in the Old Testament, what the people of Israel would do is they would build altars. When God showed up, they knew, I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget about this. So they would build an altar so there's a spot where they can look to and say, that's where God showed up in my life. Why would he not show up again? So in this song, as we sing it, I would love for you to sing along. If you don't know it, if, if you can't pick it up, instead I want you to think about those times. Let's start building altars in our hearts and in our minds so that when all of this stuff happens, we have an Ebenezer. We have a place to fall back to. Stop forgetting, my God, you've never left, you're right here with me. Still I'm convinced you're hiding, oh God, would you remind me. You're still just as good as when I met you. You're still just as kind, don't
It opens at both ends. Open the bread first. (laughs) Open the bread first and you can release the cracker. And then 
you can open the cup and have that ready to go. And that way the juice won't spill on you, okay? But also, we want to prepare our hearts. You know, the reason that we're going to go to heaven, those that trust in Jesus Christ, it's not anything we did. It's all about what he did. And he came down in human form. You know, he's the perfect bridge. There's humanity and there's, there's eternity. And if you want a good bridge, the bridge has to be connected on both sides. And it's that nativity that connects him to humanity. He experienced what we experienced, but he did it perfectly. He lived life perfectly. So he's connected to humanity, but also he's God and he's connected to heaven. He's connected to eternity. And if you want to get to heaven, cross that bridge, cross that bridge with Jesus. Today, we're remembering what he did to connect with us and the sacrifice that he made. And we are connecting, we're doing this in communion with believers throughout the world and throughout the ages. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've trusted him, you're walking that bridge. I invite you to participate with us. Uh, would you prepare your hearts with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, in humility, in weakness, in, in sadness for my sins, Lord, I, I recognize that I don't deserve to go to heaven. None of us do. But Lord, you loved us so much that, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. Lord, I'm so thankful for that. And Lord, you gave yourself for us. Lord, help us to take these elements. Remember what you did and rededicate our lives to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Bible tells us that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you gave yourself for us, Lord. You gave that sacrifice on the cross, but also those 33 years prior, Lord, where you just shared that whole human experience, Lord, and helped us to understand that there is hope, that there is a Father who loves us. Lord, I pray that as we remember that it's by your stripes that we're healed, Lord, that we would dedicate our lives, our body, our physicalness, Lord, to you. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray out of gratitude. Amen. Let's partake. The Bible tells us that in the same manner after supper, he took bread. He, excuse me, same manner after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim the Lord's death that Jesus Christ died for our sins until he comes. Because Jesus is coming again. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you poured out your precious blood for us. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that, that you gave that sacrifice, that atoning sacrifice, that sacrifice that's enough that we don't earn our way to heaven, Lord. We, we hold on to you and you take us there. Lord, help us to turn away from our sins and turn to you. Help us to share this gospel, this truth, Lord, and help us to be grateful that every good and perfect blessing, and especially that that blessing of forgiveness, Lord, 
comes from you. And Lord, we take this in gratitude and rededication of our life for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And Jesus told his disciples that same night, he said, he said they won't know you're Christians whether you take the Lord's Supper or not. They don't know that you're Christians by what church you belong to or don't belong to. They'll know that you're my followers if you have love one for another. God bless you. Good morning, church. This morning I'm reminded that we are not just a gathering of people that are here to sing some songs and, and experience a program. But this is a place where we gather together and the Spirit of God is present. This is a place that is different. It's very different than that gathering just down the street over there. I heard some really cool music from my yard last night at the amphitheater over there. But this is where the Spirit of God has fellowship with each other. And I am so glad to be a part of this gathering with you all today. My name is Pastor Jeremy, and I want to welcome you. I want to thank you guys for all being here today. You could have chosen anywhere else to be on a Sunday morning, but you're here with us. And I'm glad you're here today. Um, Amen, Al. I'm glad that you're here today, brother. Um, And all of you as well. If you're a guest with us, we want to say thank you for coming here today. We want to to help you get connected to some good people. Um, We've got a welcome desk in in the atrium with a gift for you. Um, But we'd love for you to uh, scan this little QR code. And uh, tell us about who you are, and we'd love to um, help you get connected to some good people. As well, if you want to check out the bulletin, if you want to give online or anything, you can scan that code, and it comes up with a host of other, of other information that you can get um, here at Anastasia Church. Let me share with you guys a couple of announcements. One is we have a congregational meeting where we um, kind of vote on all of the business of the church, where we all are a part of what God does here at our church. So it's here today at 4 o'clock. So if you want to come back to church at 4 p.m., we're going to have a, a congregational business meeting. The second thing is our kids praise. Didn't they do an awesome job this morning? Wasn't that cool to see all those kids? They're going to be doing a, a full program this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. It's the, the kind of culmination of the Kids Praise program this Wednesday night. Come and support our Kids Praise program on Wednesday night. We've got all sorts of other stuff going on Wednesday night as well. And then the last thing is we're beginning our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. A lot of people don't really know what Lottie Moon Christmas offering is. It's the, the we give every week and part of our, our giving goes to the Southern Baptist Convention, goes to the Florida State Convention, goes to the National Convention, and that goes really literally all around the world in all sorts of ways. But twice a year, we give uh, specific offerings that go directly to specific mission organizations. So when we do at Christmas time, we celebrate uh, a missionary named Lottie Moon, and she was a missionary to China, stood to about four foot three, I believed, and she was a missionary in China and cared so much about sharing the gospel with the people in China that she gave and gave and gave, gave all of her money that she was making from the mission organization, gave all of her food even to support these people so that she herself was so malnutritioned that she died of a malnutritioned life because she was ministering to other people. She cared that much about sharing the gospel. And we remember her and honor her and give this 
Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I think she died on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, something like that. And, um, and, we, and the money that we give there goes li- just to the International Mission Board. At Easter, we do an Annie Armstrong offering that goes to the North American Mission Board. But this one goes just to international missionaries all around the world. So you can start to support that missions offering. There's some envelopes in your seat backs. There's also a little tab on the Give port- Portal online where you can select um, Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It's a cool thing that we do. Our goal is $40,000 this year. So if you want to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, it is going directly to missionaries all around the world. So let's pray that God would use our gifts and our offerings for his glory, not our own. Bow with me in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can gather with believers, that the spirit in us can have fellowship with the spirit in others and that this is a place where we can experience you we can worship you and love on you and you can speak to us through the preaching of your word and you love on us we thank you and praise you that you are a god who is close we thank you and praise you that you are a god who interacts with us and you have a purpose lord to use us for your glory so, Lord, we want to offer our tithes, our offerings. We want to, to give our time. We want to give our talent for your glory, not ours. To build your kingdom, not ours. Not a kingdom of, of, uh, of temporary material things here. But, Lord, a kingdom that will last forever. We look forward to that kingdom. We want to build it into the hearts of people all over. Lord, we thank you for this day. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. I'm so excited about kicking off our Christmas message series. Before I do, I do want to mention that we brought back a team that ministered last week. Uh, They were ministering in Ecuador, and they came back, had an amazing week. And and I think we'll have some people tonight at the congregational meeting sharing that. Don Cabridge, you you led that. Are there any other people in the Ecuador team that are here with us today? Just raise your hand. So glad to have you. Y'all did a great job. Heard from the ministry leader down there and uh, really touched a lot of lives. I think there were 690-something kids that they reached in one week. Uh, that they uh, shared, they're very big into scripture memory, 283 kids were able to say the, share the uh, Christian memory verse, it was a scripture verse, that was amazing. Excuse me. Okay, so today, anyway, thank you for your service and, and I can't wait to share more about what's going on there. Today we're starting this message series, we're calling it the Kings of Christmas. Now, do you know who the ba- main king of Christmas is? Jesus, Right? Jesus Christ is the newborn king. He is the king of Christmas, okay? He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. But do you realize he is not the only king in the Christmas narrative? He is not the only king in the, in the nativity narrative, but he is the king, okay? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the reason that we celebrate the nativity. That's why we say that Jesus is the reason for the season, because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Okay? He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life, Uh, but he's not the only king in the Christmas narrative. And just to be very honest, if we're going to be very honest with ourselves here, Jesus is not the only king in our lives as well. I mean, if we're, we're fighting with this often, because even though Jesus is the king, we can 
And we do often let ourselves be ruled by other lesser things that become other lesser kings in our lives. And, uh, and they can control us. Your calendar can be a king. Your calendar can control you rather than it organize, you use it to organize your life. We can follow our recreational pastimes. And there are people that follow their sports teams more than they follow the activity of the Lord. Uh, we can let our jobs govern us. We can let our feelings and passions take over. We can let our money rule over us. You know, Jesus said that, that money can be a master. And do you know what he said about God and money and the mastery of money and God? Here's what he said. You can only have one person, one, one ruler of your life. You can either serve God or serve money. You can't have two masters. And have no doubt, also, Satan is alive and he's working to thwart your spiritual life. And Satan, he's trying to let your sins control. He's trying to make circumstances control. He's trying to, he's trying to let you be run by other things. There, there are several other kings in your life other than King Jesus. And you can let them control your life if you're not careful. There are several other kings in the Christmas narrative. There was not just Jesus. There was Caesar. There was Herod. There were the three kings. There were several other authorities that were trying to exert power. And I want to explore all of that this Advent season. I want to explore those powers that try to exert authority over us and, and help us to, to make that commitment to trust in Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords right. of our lives. So would you please stand with me in honor of God's word? And uh, I'm going to be coming from Luke chapter 2, Christmas story from Luke. This is what it says. In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus. This is the first king I want to talk about. That all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there... The time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you came to earth. Lord, that you came and, and introduced yourself as a newborn baby, Lord, with all that vulnerability, but also with all that power and all the majesty, Lord. And, and Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to, to serve you as king. Lord, we know you're king. We know we don't make you king of our lives. We don't make you Lord of lords. You're already Lord of lords. But Lord, help us to follow you and trust you and find the blessings you want for us. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay. Verse one, it says, in those days... There went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. Who in the world is Caesar Augustus? What does he have to do? He's, what does he have to do with this, okay? He made this decree and most everybody followed it, but who is he? Caesar Augustus was the first emperor of the Roman Empire. The very first emperor of the Roman Empire. Before Caesar Augustus, the Rome, Rome was a republic. And there are all these smaller uh, authorities there. And uh, the 60 or so years 
preceding the birth of Jesus Christ, there were some civil wars and there was a general named Pompey who was uh, having problems with another general named Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar conquered Pompey and he became a dictator for a while. And then Julius Caesar was assassinated. Then you had some more division, more civil war. And there was someone named Octavian. And he, he had fights with Mark Antony and Octavian. Um, he, he, added, he ended up defeating uh, Mark Antony and Octavian. He became Caesar Augustus. So Caesar Augustus was this general. And in 27 BC, 27 BC, he was made the emperor of Rome. And Rome was no longer a republic. It was now an empire. And he, he reigned until 14 AD. So Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome when Jesus Christ was born. First emperor of Rome. And when he came in, he ushered in this period of peace. There weren't civil wars anymore in Rome for a long period of time. And they called this the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, or the Pax Augusta, the peace of Augusta, okay, when there wasn't a lot of armed conflict within the Roman Empire. This was the context in which Jesus Christ was born, okay? And Caesar had power. He had power. I mean, he was the emperor. He had power. He had power. He made a decree. He said, I want everyone to get registered because I'm getting ready to tax them. And you know what happened? They went. People went to be registered. He had power. He had titles. One of the titles he had was Caesar. That, that title Caesar, Julius first took that title Caesar. Well, he was given that title Caesar. His name was Octavian, but they gave him the title Caesar, and that means emperor. He was given another title, imperator. That means he was the commander. He commanded the armies there, so he was imperator. He was given another, another name, Augustus. Augustus. Augustus means magnificent, okay? That was a title that he had. That wasn't his name. That means venerated. It meant that he was a very powerful person. So he had that title, Imperator Augustus. Here's another title he had, Divi Filius. Divi Filius means son of a god. That was his title. He was considered the son of the deified one, and they were talking about Julius Caesar. He was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. So he had power, but his power was limited. He didn't have all power. His power was limited. He was not omnipotent like God is omnipotent. There was a pastor who said in a podcast recently, he said, Augustus ruled with almost total power for most of the known world until his death. Are you seeing all the limiting factors that are here? He ruled with almost total power over most of the known world, not all the world, until his death. See, he didn't have full power. He didn't have control of the whole world. And until his death, uh, you know, right now, Caesar Augustus, you know what he rules? Absolutely nothing. He has no power whatsoever. Jesus Christ, he's still on his throne. He's still on his throne. But, but Caesar Augustus is not. If you're depending on the power of Caesar, if you're depending on the power of government, if you're depending on, on the power to, to make things happen, let me tell you, if you want power, you need to depend on the power of Jesus. Amen. Depend on the power of the Lord. Depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Depend on the power that comes from God, okay? Because you know what? Caesar isn't on his throne anymore. Jesus Christ is still on his throne. Trust in that power. So here's the first point, okay? If you want to know power that will really change your life, depend on the almighty power of Jesus over the limited powers of the world. 
Trust in those powers. You know, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. I love those titles. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, not just his government, but the increase is going to continue to grow, the increase of his government, and of peace, there will be no end. That's the power of Jesus. That's the power that we need to trust in. Depend on the almighty power of God over the powers of this world. Now, I go on in this passage. Verse one says that Caesar Augustus made a decree. Verse two says, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And it says, Joseph also went up from Nazareth of Galilee, okay? Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Uh, And uh, because he was of the house and lineage of David, David came from Bethlehem. Caesar had a plan. Caesar had this plan. He wanted to make sure people were registered. He wanted to know who the people were, how many there were, how much they had, because they wanted to, he wanted to make sure that taxation was going to come, that he'd get the resources and the revenue that he wanted. He had a plan, okay? And people followed Caesar's plan. They didn't follow Caesar's plan, I believe, because they wanted to. I think they followed the plan because they had to. Do you ever do things you don't want to do? You ever do things you don't want to do? Comply with things you don't want to comply with. Yeah, it, it can happen in, in society. It can happen in your house, okay? I won't get into your marriage there, but sometimes we do things that we don't want to do. And we do it because that's the plan. There's a plan, we've all agreed to it, and, and you do what you have to do. That's what Joseph was experiencing. Joseph was following a plan. Now, now he had a plan. He had a plan to go to, to Bethlehem because the Caesar had told him he needed to go to Bethlehem. But there's another plan working in, in Joseph's life because you know that the angel Gabriel came to Joseph and said, you know, you got this fiance and she's pregnant and it's not your child and we want you to still marry. We still want you to marry Mary. Uh, and that child in her is a very special child coming from God. That was the plan. And Joseph, maybe, I don't know what he wanted to do, but I'm I'm sure he didn't really care for that plan too much, but he followed God's plan, okay? He was cognizant of that plan. He kept Mary as his betrothed wife. He he married her even though she was pregnant. He was going to marry her. He took her to Bethlehem. I'm so glad Joseph didn't give up on God's plan. You know, God used that plan to do something amazing. And so what I want to share with you is this. Follow the plan of the Lord over the plans of the world. God had a plan for Joseph to take Mary to Bethlehem. Caesar had a plan that ended up with Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem. Now, I don't believe that God was using the plan of Caesar to accomplish his will. Because that means I would believe that God's will is under Caesar. And that's not what was happening. I believe that God's will is over everything. And so it wasn't that God was following and using Caesar's plan. What was happening was that Caesar was following God's plan and Caesar didn't even know it. He didn't know it. You know, I I think Caesar was following God's plan. The Lord has a plan. Let me tell you about God's plan. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. If you follow God's plan, do you know where we end up? Heaven. Heaven, life forever with Jesus in heaven. It's a good plan. 
He had a plan for Bethlehem. It was recorded in scripture centuries earlier. Micah, the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, you're not big enough to even have a tribal name. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, one who's coming forth is from old, from ancient days. See, Caesar was following God's plan to bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. God has a plan, and it's a good plan, and you should follow it. Now, let me tell you about God's plan uh, so you can understand God's plan. You're going to find it in the Word of God by following the Word of God. But it's not always an easy plan. It's not always an easy plan. Sometimes it's a hard plan, but it's still a good plan. But it can be a hard plan. Luke 9.23. Luke 9.23. Uh, when I was a, a teenager in high school, my, my Sunday school teacher in high school, it was a woman, her name was Suzanne. She was a single lady. She said Luke 9.23 was her favorite verse of scripture. And she quote the first part of that verse in the King James Version to us pretty regularly. And it goes something like this. If any man will come after me, let him. But really, there's more to it than that, okay? More to it than that. This is what it says, Luke 9, 23. He said to all, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You know what that means? It means that all of us have to deal with these Luke 9, 23 struggles. That following God's plan involves a daily cross, it involves those things that are, that are not easy, okay? Luke 9, 23, God's plan may seem hard. It may be hard to get through. The temptations you deal with may be hard to get through, but still follow God's plan. Follow God's plan in the power of God because it's a good, good plan. Can you follow God's plan when it's difficult? Let me tell you something else about God's plan. It's in it for the long run. Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. God's plan means I'm investing in the eternal. I'm investing in the eternal. As we're building these buildings over here to the side here, we're not investing in buildings so we can have a better real estate profile here. We're building in the souls of kids and families so that they can get to heaven. We're investing in the long haul. We don't lay up for ourselves treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. You, You may not see your spiritual treasures on earth, but you're investing in the long haul. It's, it's, it's a long plan. But it's a good plan. It's a good plan. Are you following God's plan? Are you investing in eternity? Let me tell you something else about God's plan. This is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Some of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And it says this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. It's a living for Jesus plan. It's a living for Jesus plan. That's the plan of God. Uh, there's, there's self-sacrifice, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's, it's a, that holiness plan. It's that giving to God. It's a spiritual worship plan. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's a, it's a plan of transformation and renewal and discerning the will of God. It's a living for the Lord plan. And it's a good, good plan. 
Because when Caesar has a plan, he wants to count you and he wants to use you. God has a plan. He doesn't want to use you. He wants to save you. He wants to save me. It's a good plan. So I just want to say, follow the plan of the Lord, even if it's hard. Even if you don't see the treasures immediately, follow the plan of the Lord. It's a good, good plan. Verse 7, it says this, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there's no place for them in the inn. You know, Mary and Joseph, they had to deal with this, this situation. They had to temporarily transfer to Bethlehem because that's what the powers of the world were telling them to be. And, and, and Joseph just didn't go alone. He went with Mary because he's trying to follow what God was telling him to do. And they end up in Bethlehem and, and she's pregnant and she has this baby. And you know what? They find themselves in the middle of this incredible scene. This scene that we portray over and over and over. You know the picture I'm talking about? Joseph and Mary and the manger and the baby and the stable and the star. They're right there in the middle of it. And she has this baby. And I can't imagine the peace that came over her. I can't imagine that was the night the shepherds came. And they said, we were out in the hillside and here's what we heard. We heard angels singing in the sky, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Can you imagine the scene that they were in because they followed God's plan? And what I want to say this is this. That plan brought peace to earth, eternal peace. When we depend on the power of the Lord, when we follow the plans of the Lord, that's when we find the peace of the Lord. Find the peace. Caesar, he ushered in the Pax Romana, that short period of peace around the time of Jesus' birth. Sometimes called the Pax Augusta. But Jesus, he gives you Pax Eterna. He gives you eternal peace. He gives you peace. It's an amazing peace. You know, you're going you're gonna to find peace in the Lord when everything else is chaos all around you. It is a peace, as it's described in Philippians chapter 4, a peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I mean, it's a, it's a peace that, that you should not be having peace, but because you're following God's plan, you're trusting his power, he is pouring into you his peace that we can't understand and, and other people around us can't understand, and it will guard us and guard our minds if we just depend on his power, follow his plan, and find his peace. Uh, there was a time when Jesus talked about Caesar. And uh, it wasn't the same Caesar because that Caesar, Caesar Augustus, died 14 AD. This was a different Caesar. It was Tiberius Caesar about that time. And they were arguing, who should be paying this tax? Should we pay this tax to Caesar or not? And, and Jesus said, and this is in Matthew chapter 22, he says, show the coin for the tax. And he gave him a coin. And he said, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. Now, I asked them to give you a penny when you came in. Could you get that penny out now, if you have that penny? Just get that penny and hold it in your hand. Take that penny. Now, I know it doesn't have Caesar's impression on it. It has Abraham Lincoln. If you ended up with an American penny, if you ended a Canadian penny, it probably has Queen Elizabeth. But 
Anyway, let this penny represent this week. This week. These next seven days. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God's what is God's. Who is the king for this week? Is it the other lesser kings? Is it going to be your calendar? Is it going to be your emotions? Are you going to let your emotions rule what happens to you this week? Or is it going to be Jesus? Let this represent the way you're going to spend money this week. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. What am I going to, how am I going to show my Lordship of Jesus Christ in my finances this week? Where does your soul fit in on this? My life, my, my life allegiance, my hope for the future, my soul. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. I really get concerned about people who profess with their mouth that they're trusting in Jesus Christ, but they're still struggling with other gods and kings ruling their lives. And I want you to be freed from that. I want you to know your soul, it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to Washington. Don't trust in Washington. It doesn't, tr- it doesn't belong to your political party, whatever one that may be. It doesn't belong to any of that. Your soul belongs to the Lord. Render your soul to the Lord. Render under Caesar what is Caesar's. There's those things we have to do and plans we have to follow because we're just in society. But give God all the glory, all the power, all the rulership of your life. Because when you do that, that's when you find peace. That's when you receive the promise. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord, I'd like you just to look at that penny and say, Lord Jesus, this is my life, and I'm now giving you my soul. I'm now recognizing you as my Lord. I'm giving all this to you, Lord. I'm asking you to, to lead me, guide me. If you do that, he's faithful in his promises. He'll bring you life forever. Caesar, the kings of the world, they want to use you. The king of heaven, he wants to save you. Follow that path to salvation. Would you? Would you? Would you stand with me as we pray? And I'm going to be here at the front. And after we pray, if God's calling you to come forward, you may want to come forward to be a member of this church. We have counselors over there. You might want to take a step of baptism. Maybe it's, I've never been baptized and, and I need to show my lordship in a public way. You can go find a counselor. There may be something you need to pray about and give that to the Lord. The altar is open, whatever God is calling you to do. But Lord Jesus, I pray that as we move forward in this service, Lord, that if there is something that we have to give over to you, Lord, in the power of your name, Jesus, Lord, give us a release. Give us a release. Help us to find the freedom uh, of not just following the powers of this world, but following you, the ultimate power. Lord, help us find, find your power, Lord, and see your blessing. Lord, give us every step we need. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And all to your glory. All God's people said, amen. If God's calling you, you come.
remember that Christ was born for each and every one of us, not for the perfect ones, not for the faithful ones. God, Christ was born for us in all of our mess. So let's go and let's spread that love of Jesus Christ throughout our city and throughout our nation. We'll see you guys next week.